Hello, everybody, and welcome to Yogmoth Soap Opera, the classic for, uh, format podcast for the community by the community. This week we are on episode 56, Wizard of the Coast Loves Dan Brown. Uh, your normal co-hosts are myself, Whippy Penguin, George Eppelis, and the abstract slash the Hoff, Zach Witten. What's up, guys? So, uh, yeah, we, we've got a, a podcast this week. Last week, you know, real life kind of caught up with everybody, and uh, but we're here this time. Definitely, definitely. We don't plan to miss any weeks. It's just been pretty crazy. So, um, so when last we left, we were still in Mog's uh, season, and we are we're coming close to the finish line now. We're in week four. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that before we left, you know, I had said that I ended up beating Yuvatha, going to two and zero. And then, how did your match uh, with whoever your opponent was in week two go? Week two didn't go well, man. I, I'm telling you, that guy, for some reason, Tommy Topdecker lives up to his name every time I play that guy. He he rips, like, something amazing or has three force of wills. It's, it's, it's always the same. It's just some ridiculous hand. But he beat me fair and square. I told him good game and everything else. Um we, we played 2-1, and, I mean, he literally had, like, the nuts high games one and three, so not much you can do, and then uh, last week I played uh, Endless Nameless, and that matchup on paper is terrible for me, uh, Noble Fish against Oath, Okay. but I pulled out game three in the craziest way possible. I actually How pulled... was the Elish Norn? Elish Norn was cool, but the problem is you don't really get Oath down in that matchup and keep it down. You know yeah, I mean? it's really hard to keep Oath on the table. I mean, between Anul, Trigon, Quasali Pride Mage, Counter Magic, it's a, it's really hard. And what happened was game one, um, I won pretty pretty easily. Game two, he beat my face in with all the hate. And game three, it was like one of those really awesome scenarios. And I'll walk you through it because it was like one of the coolest things. Make sure I do it right, because I actually told uh, my buddy Dunkel, and he was pretty impressed. So here's what happened. Game three, uh, I had a real low hand. I actually had to bulligan to six, and he had a great start. Dude played like, I uh, can't remember exactly what his turn one play was. Turn two, he got a Kasali Pride Mage down, which is like worst case scenario usually. And all I did turn two was uh, lay down my Time Vault Pass. And I can't remember exactly what I had in my hand, but I know there was a Brainstorm and uh, a Wasteland and a Card X. Let's just say Card X. And what happened uh, with the rest of this game kind of set the tone. Oh, excuse me. You know what? He played the Kasoli Pride Mage turn three. And the reason I know that is he had three lands and he left one uh, Tropical Island untapped. Okay? So he had a Kasoli Pride Mage in play, three cards in hand, and an untapped land. On my board, I have three lands and a tapped time vault. One of my lands is a fetch land. In my hand, I have brainstorm, wasteland, card X. Okay? So, he passes to me, and I know his his hand for what it's worth. I know he doesn't have a force of will, because he let me resolve uh, the brainstorm. I mean, that's the kind of card I'd, I'd really hammer out if I was him, uh, you know, with a fetch land out and everything else, with that kind of a board position. And so I resolved the brainstorm, and I sat there on the stack, and I drew my three cards, and I saw one of them was, like, my only out. One of the cards I drew was a key. 
And I'm thinking to myself, how can I do this? I knew he left a blue land because I've studied his sideboard before, and he has a ton of annuls. So I'm like, oh, crap, he has a null. So I kind of thought there for a second, and I did like the ultimate um, reverse psychology, I think. I sat there thinking about, if I was him, what am I looking for? And I said, he has the blue mana up because he wants to counter an artifact. So after I fetched that, um, the key, my, my hand remaining was uh, a wasteland, a vault key, and another land. The, the other two cards were chafe, whatever I put back. And I put him back. Um, I played my land for the turn, which was Wasteland, and I sat there for a second thinking about it. The critical move is when I Wasteland his Tropical Island. He has one of two choices. Well, he really has three. He could do nothing, which, keep in mind at this point, I've already been hit um, with a couple of other random creatures. I don't remember what they were. but Yeah, your life total's not super high. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a really bad position at this point. I know he has an, an annul, or at least I'm thinking he has an annul. And he also has two other lands, so there's nothing in his deck he can't play at this point. So I'm in a really bad spot. His three options if I wasteland is tropical are one, kill my key or kill my uh, vault. Two, float the mana for a possible annul if I'm stupid enough to play a spell in the same turn. Or three, float the mana and do nothing. And what he ended up doing was he floated the mana, and I'm like thinking to myself, "Oh crap, he's going to kill my vault." He did not kill my vault. I moved to the next phase, and I just sat there thinking, I pray he doesn't have Force of Will. He didn't. I laid the key down and won. And he told me after the game how mad he was at his misplay, because his hand was a Null and Trigon Predator in a land. And I oh, ended yeah, up that's, winning that's that. Tough. I was, like, so happy. I was like, all right. But, anyway, that was how my uh, my round three went, so I'm at two and one now. How'd your uh, round three go? Well, I played against Tommy Topdecker, and it should have been called Penguin Topdecker. Nice. You had a good good match there? <clears throat> well, I, I did. I won 2-0. Um, the first game... The first game was really close. It was so close. Um, I think that what it boiled down to was he had a Jace on the board. And I had two Quirion Dryads, one that I had to keep playing every turn because he was bouncing it. Um, and he had a Vendillion click. And he left the click back so that his Jace would live longer so that he could trade with my Dryad. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I didn't attack with my Dryads. Um, and then he laid down a Delver of Secrets. And he still didn't attack with his Vendillion click. Um, and I eventually top-decked my <laughs> Artful Dodge to grow my Un-Summoning uh, Sick Dryad into a 2-2, past his defenses to his two loyalty Js. Nice. And then that started a race. But at that point, when I cast the Artful Dodge, I had three Quirion Dryads on the table. Oh, man. Um, he ended up losing that game by three life. Which, if he had just attacked with uh, one of his Vendillion clicks when he uh, kept it back for two or three turns, uh -huh. he may have won that game. Yeah. In the second game, uh, he did something to turn one. I had a mental, uh, he mental missed up my turn one play. And then my turn two, I played uh, two life for Gataxian Probe. He snapcast her mage and then Mental Misstep my Gitaxian Probe. And I was like, oh, 
Sweet. I didn't think I could win this game otherwise. Query and Dryad, he goes Force of Will, and I used my one of sideboard mind break trap. <laughs> that's rough. Um, you brought in side. Well, wow, that's kind of an interesting strategy. What well, made you my bring sideboard, he had no relevant artifacts in his deck, and I had three artifact removal. So I sideboarded in two red blasts and a misdirect and a uh, uh, mind break trap. Wow! So it's almost like a little bit of dumb luck because you had nothing else to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. Wow! It was the dumb luck on top of the fact that he wanted to get as much value as he could out of that Snapcaster Mage. That's crazy. That's so funny. Um, Good job. And then he laid down an ancient tomb, and I had days for his next two spells. Oof. Yeah, when I when I dazed the Sower of Temptation that was going to stop a lethal attack, he conceded and dropped from Moto. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean there was that. And then for round four, I'm paired up with one there are three undefeateds. Uh I'm paired up with Calavera, who is running Merfolk. And, you know, we're both on the ID train. Very cool. Uh, so you guys are top eight bound. Yeah, I, I'm first seed and he's second seed. And the fact that it was 24 people, I think both of us could actually just lose the next two rounds and still make top eight. Very nice. So, of course, me, I have played against, uh, this will be my second clanny. Of course, round four, I get paired up with uh, Enderfall. Who told me that he's paired paired up? I'm the third out of four rounds of Clan Magic Eternal members. Oh, Mog, what's going on? That's what like, we were I talking just, about. It. We're like, this is a little silly here, Mister Mog. Anyway, um, definitely Magic Eternal is really fighting amongst themselves in the Swiss rounds in this event. Yeah, we're we are definitely bloodying each other. So anyway, uh, as far as I'm concerned, if, if I'm going to lose to anybody, I wouldn't mind losing to a Clanny. So. I'm going to try so to... Enderfall's playing... Is he playing the LED Bob or just the LED? Is he playing... Is he playing Storm? I think he's playing the Bob version. Let me see here. Classic quarter. Um, but yeah, I mean, Storm is going to be a little rough for you. It's you a good thing so? you have those two spell snares in your sideboard. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I'm actually... I'm kind of cool with that. I, I mean, really, it, it it's... Let's see, so he has Tendril, Soaring, Imperial. Definitely, he, he's all in Storm. Um, does he have Thoughtseize in here? He has two Thoughtseize. He only has two Thoughtseize? Yeah, it's it's hard to fit uh, Oh, and, and three Duress. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right, well, yeah, I think I just got to play it tight. I really, really, really got to save my uh, mental missteps. And I also think this is going to be a situation where he wants to side out. Hey, is he going to side out his bobs against me? I don't know. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. Cause, cause the sword, the oath deck, the oath deck doesn't have to lay an oath. All it has to do is get a force of will on its hand and protect it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the one thing I got to make sure is that I don't uh, mess around and uh, let him. Pick apart my hand. I mean, I just got to protect my hand a lot. Got to save brainstorms. Got to save force of wills. Got to uh, save missteps. Like, I think the best. I think your best shot would be opening with force of will, blue card, mental misstep, sensi top two lands. Well, yeah, if I could shave my hand, of course. 
<laughs> that would be awesome. I don't know. It's going to be a fun match, I think. I'm I'm interested to play some. Should be good. Um, God, man, I just I'm looking at Endless Nameless's deck, and I have no idea how I won that matchup. It's so 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 tilted in his favor. Four Kasali, two Cold Eyed, three Spell Pierce, uh, four Wasteland, two Claim, four Trigon, three Misstep, one Fluster Storm, one Annul, three Stifle, four Force of Will. That's main deck. That is a lot of stuff. Anyway, uh, it, it's oh yeah, and he has four Graph Diggers. Shit, <laughs> woo! So, uh, fishy fellow, how's he doing? I'm seeing some uh, some. Shoth here. Does, any, any word on him? Have you heard anything about that? Uh, I haven't actually looked at the results at all. I've been so busy. Yeah, I hear you. So it's cool. Um, I don't think this week we're going to do, like, uh, the matchup predictions, are we? No, I figure, I figure it'll be cool if we, you know, we've got the other thing that we're going to do this week. And maybe next week we'll look at the, you know, the people who are on the bubble for top eight. Okay. Sounds good to me. Hopefully I'll be one of those people. Uh, yeah. All right, so the running the running pre-reserves, just real quick, we'll, we'll run through the deck types again that are still in there. Um, what are they? Uh, it's five Delver decks and five various fish decks, and then an Affinity and a Red deck wins for the aggro portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the combo portion is four different kinds of Storm decks and two Dredge decks. And then the control is three Oath decks, two board control blue, and a workshop. All right. So we got some variants. Um, we'll see what happens. And next part I think that we're going to do is my one of my favorite things on the whole show, which is um, when we go through and, and look at some of the cards in the new set and how they might affect uh, classic and other formats in general. You, you know, Zach, I, I will say that I did pick some of these cards just to hear how bad you would make fun of them. Okay, good, because I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So, number one, um, and I actually had to stretch. Uh, when I first went through the list, I decided there were no playable white cards. But I made a stretch for Entreat the Angels, which is XX, white, white, white. Put X44 white angel creature tokens onto the battlefield. Now, the Miracle Cost is actually somewhat playable at X White White. Um, I have two different frames of mind on this card. In, not in Classic. I'll say that. No, the only no way. place I can really see it in Classic is like a, a really slow white-blue uh, standstill deck. Or, or a white stacks. Uh, I don't think white stacks would do anything at all in the environment. No, I don't either. That's one of the main reasons I don't see it having an impact. But what I can say is... still could do something, but yeah, not white stacks. In Legacy, I could see this card making a splash, having access to Jason Brainstorm, and possibly... Yeah, I mean, um, what's the uh, card from Odyssey Block? Which one? Or Onslaught. Decree of uh, Justice. That was a real card in Legacy for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Decree of Justice is, was a real card in Vintage for a while too. It's 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 not a bad card. But the thing about this card is, even though it's a sorcery, you can play this at instant speed on their turn. Yeah, with like a Sensi Top. With Sensi Top, with Brainstorm, with a lot of things, 
You can do double white, and each mana past that is a 4-4 flying freaking angel. Hello? That's pretty good value. Needless to say, in limited, this is a bomb. You're going to draft it every time you see it. Especially first pick. Uh, but also, I, I heard, uh, I went through LSV's set review, and this is one of the cards he's most excited about himself. So. Yeah, he's he's a big fan of this card. Uh, the Magic TV that he and Sean Tristan Gregson did, they, he just had not enough good things to say about this card. So Of course, that was all for standard. Yeah, and and, I mean, the other card that, you know, in side, aside here, Andy and I have been playing a lot of standard. One of the cards that I've fallen in love with is really similar to this card. I've been playing some blue-white control, and I never knew that White Sun Zenith is an instant. Oh, yeah, White Sun Zenith is a cool card. It's just... That triple white to get going is tough. It's it's rough. Yeah, it's no joke. So, uh, to so, summarize... And then besides, there, there's something that, for whatever reason, just popped into my brain just now. Um, all of the Miracle cards are super excellent with Necropotence and um, Yawgmoth's Bargain. Um, are you sure? If you can look- figure out a way to draw a card... They're always they're always going to be the first card you draw in a turn. Uh, I, I maybe I'm just like missing the point. Because uh, Necro and Bargain both skip your draw step. Okay. And then they put the cards in your hand. You don't actually draw them when you use the abilities. So if you ever figure out ways to draw cards with a manipulated deck, they will always be the miracle cost. I mean, my only my only response to that would be. Isn't that true anyway? Can't you draw things outside of your draw step anyway, with or without those? Well, yeah, sure, but I don't know. I just, uh, for some reason, it popped in my head that, you know, the downside of skip your draw step is actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, draw, draw step miracles are just as good to me as opponent turn miracles, but. That's true. I may be wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see that card being being decent going forward. I definitely see it. Outside of classic having an impact, and probably that's going to be like a fifteen plus dollar card eventually. Um, yeah, I would think that when uh, the new Revenant set comes out and this stops getting drafted super a lot, that standard and maybe even modern would push this up to like a fifteen or twenty dollar card. Okay, very cool. So that's the first and maybe only white card we're going to go over. Um, uh, I do believe it's the only. So yeah, it's, that, that's it's playable, and they actually have some okay cards like uh, Soulbound Ranger and stuff like that. But those are more for other formats, not classic. So. Oh yeah, I mean the the white cards in the set look really good for limited. Oh man, do they? Yeah. So uh, next up, we have an enchantment, and it's Arcane Melee. It's four and a blue. It's a rare card, and instant and sorcery spells cost two less to cast, and I kind of see this as, um, what's it called, the summoning card right now in standard, but without a drawback, besides the mana cost. Five mana is a ton. It, it is a ton, but look at what you get to do. <sighs> what? I don't know, Yawgmoth's will costs one black. Two mana force. Tinker costs one blue. Um, temporal manipulation costs two blue and three. That's a lot. Um, we what? Two mana factor fiction, two mana gifts. Yeah, like I know that getting the card down would be ridiculously hard, but 
That's that's kind of really my thing. Good. If you hit the five mana for this, you could have played Factor Fiction last turn. You could. And this also makes Snapcaster Mage good, too. <laughs> I don't think you need anything to make Snapcaster Mage good. It's like peanut butter and the chocolate. You know, it goes together. Ah, It's an added bonus. I will say right now, I don't think this will see play in any format. Yeah, I don't think this, is, this will... I mean... People are more than welcome to try and prove us wrong and be like, hey, I moneyed a classic event with Arcane Melee. I want some kind of a prize. And I will make sure that that happens. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, I think I'd be willing to, too. I, I think that's one of those cards where if you can get it down, good luck and props. I mean, your prize might be a foil Arcane Melee, but that's better than nothing, right? Yeah, I don't have too much to say about it. I don't think it's going to see playing limited, standard, classic, legacy, vintage, or singleton, or anything else. All right, so the next card actually has a little bit of uh, a little bit of stuff going for it. The only problem is the miracle cost is so inopportune because you would want to do this at sorcery speed, but it's a devastation tide for three blue blue. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hand, and Miracle one in the blue. See, I, I don't agree with you wanting to do this at Sorcery Speed. I understand what you're saying. Um, maybe you're, like, on the old tip, like it's, like, upheaval, and you want to still draw Yeah, like Psychotomy. It's upheaval. not like that, though, George. This doesn't return lands, so it doesn't matter. Oh, you're right. I want to say I this. just read that, too. I'm For really, some reason, my brain made me think lands. I'm really hyped on this card. I think... It's funny you picked this card, because I honestly, this is like my sleeper of the set. I think this card right here is so undervalued at the moment, I'm actually tempted to hoard some of these. It looks that good. Five mana, the effect is no joke. There's tons of... Let's think of standard for a moment. How many tokens are out there right now? Oh, a million. Okay. So as far as standard goes, this thing will see play. People aren't saying it right now. I'm personally... I don't know if anyone else has talked about this. I think this card will see play. It's it's playable on its mana cost because that effect is no joke. It returns artifacts, birthing pod, and classic. It returns like emeralds and stuff like that. You can yeah. Do, I mean, this is a blue wrath of God for block. This is a ridiculous card, and I think people, no one's talking about it. Everyone's talking about Temple of Mastery, the red ones, obviously the amazing red mythic. I don't know. Did you put that red mythic in here? Which red mythic? You did. Oh, Bonfire of the Damned? Yeah, no. You, you didn't. I, we'll, we'll talk about that, because I actually want to talk about that one later. Um, but Devastation Tide, I think, is going to see play. I think this might be a sideboard card in, in formats like Classic and Legacy. Um, I really do. I think it's one of those cards that can make a huge impact, especially in, like, a board state game. With some of, these, some of the way these decks work, especially... Can you imagine if you could play this against, like, Stacks or something? Yeah, it would be pretty good. Is the miracle cost an, an, an optional cost? I mean, it doesn't make that cost more if they have stacks, does it? Yeah, you would. Your miracle, their spheres still add to the cost of miracle. It does. Okay. Yeah. I I, I still I want to say this card could be good. Oh yeah. By the way, dredge. Have fun with all your little zombie tokens. <laughs> On it, your turn. After you return your Icarids to play, I brainstorm Devastation Tide Go. <laughs> it would be good. 
Next card, I'll, I'll stop there. Do you have anything else you want to add there? No, um, I mean, the fact that it doesn't return lands, which I seem to miss uh, in spite of the fact that I read it out loud and, like, put the picture in the article, I was thinking maybe it could be a return to Psychotog since the format seems to have slowed down, but disregard that. Well, the other thing, too, is I think that's a really good thing. I don't think Blue wants to drop lands again. I think Blue wants her lands on the table. I think that's a plus for us and a minus for yeah. everyone else because the thing about blue is if you're faster than blue, blue's usually worse. But if blue has a chance to make a board state and then do something like this, it's pretty good. Um, so what's up next? Next up's a card that I think is continuing in the recent trend of blue, super fairly costed cards that have a great effect on everything. And this card, it's a common instant, costs one blue, it's called Outwit, and the... the spell it just says counter target spell that targets a player um amazing amazing card there's so many things that this thing counters it can't counter the storm strategy for the most part um no but it is really cheap it's a great way to like sight in against thought seize duress uh, all kinds of things ancestral recall and vintage yeah yeah there's there's a, a lot of in, in time walk targeted or is it just... Uh, no, it just says take another turn. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the CM play. Thoughts there? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's narrow, but I think that when the metagame is right for it and players use it, it'll be great. All right. Fair enough. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, you can't really... It's 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 a playable card. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's going to yeah. be a huge splash, but... Seems good. Um, I like the flavor text on it. Yeah, agreed. The flavor text is cool. Just for everyone out there, it says, The student asks how a spell is begun. The master ponders what ends it. So that's kind of cool. Um, what's the next card, Georgie? Uh, temporal Mastery. Yawn, yawn. It's um, nothing good. There, This card is one of those joke cards. Who the hell wants to spend seven mana for a turn? In uh, all fairness, this is going to be the most uh, classic playable card. Uh, I don't think this will be the most classic playable card. I think there is another card that will beat that. Mm, let me look down your list. I think I know which one you're talking about, and he's really big, but I don't agree. Okay, well, we'll get to him then. All right. Uh, next, next up, we have Crypt Keeper. Creeper. Crypt Creeper. One in the black for 2-1 zombie. Sacrifice it. Exile target card from the graveyard. This... So, this card is a worse heap doll, I guess. Here's the thing. I, I don't think they printed it for us. No, they didn't. They In a format with Stan. Lingering Souls and uh, Snapcaster Mage and Unburial Rites and all that stuff that they're doing in Standard, I totally think this is an answer to that. the things they knew were going to happen. Maybe it's an answer to Dredge cards for the future... I don't, I don't, I don't see this making any sideboards for a classic, at least. Okay, in that's fair. But I do think it, I do think it'll see play in other formats. So you can't really call this like a dead card or anything like that. Um, next up is Demonic Taskmaster. Taskmaster, for two and a black, you get a four-three flying demon, um, where you have to sacrifice a different creature at the beginning of your upkeep. This, 
I don't think there are any decks that would make use of this, but if any deck was going to make use of this, this looks like the perfect kind of card for one of those um, uh, black pox decks that were out for a long time. Yeah, I just... I see this card as Dark Ritual 4-3 Flying Guy. You have four turns before you're dead. I don't know. I just feel like something can be done to be built around it. Problem is, it's four turns. And in Legacy, great. In Classic, that's a long time. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if your game plan is, you know, 12 discard spells, maybe four turns isn't that far out of the realm. Let me ask you this. That effect? What if I had four Demonic Taskmasters out? Uh, yeah, I mean, the wording makes it look like it stacks. It doesn't matter, though. They're all Demonic Taskmasters, so it wouldn't be... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It looks like it stacks well. All right. I mean, there's a possibility I could... I could definitely see this being played in uh, in standard with like blue black control or something like that. This is an optimal finisher. Ah, uh, sure, yeah, in the control build, yeah. In, in for classic, classic, I'm thinking some kind of like budgety black aggro slash uh, prison deck. I don't know. Some like deck that's running stuff like sinkholes because this this would be yeah, a perfect segue like after a sinkhole. Like. Maybe maybe some Rishadon ports and some uh, duresses, thought seizes. He's costed super well, but I just don't know how viable a four three flyer is, no matter what the other parameters were. You know yeah, what I mean? mean? Once upon a time, Sea Drake was playable in vintage. That was a long time ago. Um, so maybe once upon a time, Demonic Taskmaster will be as well. Okay, and uh, yeah, and the next card. Is Descent into Madness. It's a rare enchantment. It's rare. No, it's a mythic enchantment. Oh my god, it's even worse. It's three <laughs> and two black, and the text is this. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a despair counter on Descent into Madness. Then each player exiles X permanents he or she controls and or cards from his or her hand. Where X is the number of despair counters on Descent into Madness. So, real quick, let's go over this and how it compares to some of the other cards. Um... Like Smokestack. This, in my opinion, is really terrible. It costs colored mana, not four. It costs five with two black colored mana. It's a mythic, so it's probably going to be more expensive than it should be. No, I feel like this is one of those one dollar mythics. I, I hope so, because it's pretty garbage. I don't really want it. Um, the, the only thing that really does kind of like stand out to me a little bit is making them get rid of their hand. Yeah, the hand is a little bit... I, I don't know about that. Because it, it's like... Uh, you well, could, you could cheat that way. If, if you, like, wasteland them or something and they miss a land drop, with smokestacks, they can just sit there and wait for you to have to, like, get rid of your smokestacks and then start rebuilding their board. With Descent into Madness, you're getting them no matter what. Mm, yeah, but did you think about the other side of it, which is Descent into Madness does not do what Smokestack does? Where no, it it's not optional. You have, to, you have to sack things or exile cards in your hand. No, no, no. What I mean is this only happens on your turn and you get all the bad effects, whereas Smokestack, you can stack it and you get one less bad effect per turn. Oh, that's true. This doesn't go into effect on their upkeep. It's always your upkeep, and it's a cyclical effect for both of you. Still... I find it to be an interesting kind of prisony element card. Definitely. I, I, 
I don't see it. I don't see it being played in any format because of the cost. The only way I see it is some janky life from the loam deck where you can, uh, you know, fill up your hand and use that. Yeah. All right, so next up is the actual best card in the set for Classic. Uh, according got, to you. We've got Gristlebrand at four, and then black, 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 black. For a 7-7 seven, seven flying lifelinker that has an ability of pay seven life, colon, draw seven cards. Not tap, colon. Um, so, I'll say this. It is a natural fit into Oath. Quite it's natural. A, it, it is a good Oath fit. Uh, I feel like it is a really good show-and-tell fit. Uh, you, know what, you know what else is a nice card that we get access to four of? Mind's Desire. Which is nice. I mean, like, all the things you're saying, though, the one thing I, I want to say first, how in God's name, besides the instant draw... Is this any better than Jenga Taxis? Because you can also pitch that to Force of Will. You're not going to be drawing 14 cards usually. You're going to be low on life by the time you get this thing out. All right. Here are the number of reasons why it is better. We're going to disregard casting costs because they're both uncastable. Okay. One, Gristlebrand is a 7-7. It only takes three hits to kill them. Okay. Two, Gristlebrand has flying. Three, Gristlebrand has lifelink. Four, Gristleband can draw 14 or 21 cards in a turn. How about this? As a counter to your... Jengataxius makes them discard their hand. Jengataxius makes them discard their hand. Jengataxius is blue, and it doesn't suck to be sitting in your hand all the time. Jengataxius is very usually just like one of those cards where people will scoop when they see it. I think this could be one of those cards, but this doesn't get rid of their hand. So if they have something and they can't untap... Well... If we go back to Lifelink, Grizzlebrand stops him from attacking. I, I'm not saying Grizzlebrand's bad. I totally think it's an amazing card. But I don't think with the decks that we see right now, it will have a bigger effect than a card that people want to, at least at least want to try to cram into their deck. I don't well, see... I mean, is it wrong of me to think that an effect and best card in the format are different? Like, Temporal Mastery will obviously have a bigger effect on the format, but does that make it a better card in the format than Grizzlebrand? Well, the thing about Grizzlebrand to me is, Temporal Mastery, almost every single deck that runs blue has a way to make it good. Right. right. And Grizzlebrand is a lot narrower than Temporal Mastery. And the thing is, the one thing if you asked me, Wow, we are really short on playable, huge, awesome creatures. I would be like, what? <laughs> no, you're right. There, There is no shortage on big, fatty boom-booms. I mean, from, like, the Sphinxes to the... I mean, dude, I've been playing with Consecrated Sphinx, and I had no idea what a beat that is. Oh, it's a good one. It's And it's been proven to be classic playable. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I agree with you, though. I do not think this is a bad card by any means. I'll say this is the second best card, as far as I see it. I think it's easily going away, going to have a huge impact, and I think we'll see this in, in Classic. I think we'll actively see this card being played. I think this card also, I mean, maybe you play both in Reanimator, but I feel like you get this one first over Jinjika Taxes. 
Mm, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough call. It's it's less life because Junga Taxis is eight and two blue. But you do have to spend seven to draw cards. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's good. Um, what do we got next? Next up is Human Frailty. It's a instant uncommon one black destroy target human creature. This is another card we will most definitely see in almost every format. Um, sorry, by the way, if you guys hear that sound, my son got this sweet Nerf bow gun that I keep messing around with. Oh, I thought that you were stapling documents. Yeah. Um, so Human Frailty, though, I, I see that as being playable. George, you and I were talking about it before uh, the cast here, and just right off the top of the head, we came up with uh, Delver of Secrets, Dark Confidant, um, Snapcaster Mage. And you said Noble Hierarch. I said it wasn't really applicable, but there are a lot of humans. Yeah, I think this... I mean, this card is better in every other format than Classic because Mental Misstep isn't a card in those formats. Yeah. But, I mean, this is... Talk about a versatile card against the creature decks. I just... I don't know. I I think... uh, I think there still might be better options. Well, I mean, Dark Blast is kind of versatile, too, but Dark Blast doesn't kill a Insectile Aberration all by itself. True. You gotta, you gotta dredge it up and play it twice in a turn. On the other hand, this doesn't kill a... Uh, does it? A vin- no, it's fa- Fairy Wizard. No, nope, that's a Fairy a vin- Wizard. There's a lot of things this thing doesn't do, too. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit leery of it. It's but, it's a sideboard card. I don't think it's main deckable. Yeah. But it, it, it's another formats. one of the, you know, copious, uh, semi-narrow, semi-broad creature kill that is in the format. I will draft this high and limited. Oh, this card's going to be insane and limited. And the, the artwork, if you guys aren't looking at the artwork, it is just awesome. It is pretty sweet. The uh, chin from a skull is disconnected with a boot stepping on the head. Yeah, the guy, the, the guy is just definitely crushing a dead skull, but I digress. What's next? Next, we've got Treacherous Pit Dweller. For Black Black, you have a 4-3 with Undying. However, when Treacherous Pit Dweller enters the battlefield from a graveyard, target opponent gains control of it. Yeah, that's not good. So this is like a suicide black kind of a card. Um, And if you look at the format, there are some decks that will kill this easily, and then there are other decks that will just lose to it. You know what? I just thought of like a very narrow application for this card. If they have Leyline of Singularity in play? Not... (laughs) <laughs> Not sing- in of sanctity, you mean, right? Sanctity. A- exactly, actually. I was thinking in a storm sideboard, this card might be pretty good. Actually, this card might be awesome in a storm sideboard. They're not going to sideboard in removal. Yeah. You sideboard in four of these guys, you go Dark Ritual, Duress, Pit Dweller, and then you can tendrils them out for, like, four storm. I mean, the problem is it's definitely um, a risky strategy because storm doesn't have a way to deal with it if it does die. Yeah, uh, maybe a Chain of Vapor, but that's not likely. You're just giving them a 5-4. And this card will be good in other formats. I I have to believe. Uh, I mean... I don't think this card is playable in uh, Standard. No? 
No, it's... Yeah, I don't think so. I think some of these black-white decks might surprise you, because a lot of these decks are like, alright, fine, you kill it, and then I'll play my, you know, Day of Judgment or whatever. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think this is like one of those fence cards, because it's... It does, the drawback is obviously huge, because they get a bigger version of it, but the cost and the investment is pretty cheap. Yeah, I think that when you look at a format, like, block and standard have so much removal in it that this card just looks terrible, whereas modern, legacy, and vintage classic all, like, just play less and less and less removal. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this card goes. It's not one of the that you or I are both saying is just terrible, so we'll see what happens. What's so next up is a card that you're saying is just terrible. Terrible. Uh, it is Battle Him. For one and a red, you get an instant that says, add red to your mana pool for each creature you control. Now, I know Zach's against it, but Cobalt Storm, come on. No. Let's Glimpse of Nature, play, you know, 14 Cobalts, and then get 14 red mana and do something with it. Sounds about as awesome as Stasis. <laughs> or, what I was actually thinking of when I put the card in the list is... You know, I see elves do pretty decently in classic every now and then. Combo elves. And for some reason, if they wanted it, this is a super easy way to get like seven or eight mana out of uh, two. Do you want to explain to me how at all this is different from some of the other spells that have never been playable in, in like the the ramp spells, like uh, what's the what's the one that that gives you a red for each goblin and only costs one red and you almost never see it. Ah, uh, and that's goblins though. This battle hymn could be elves. What does elves want with red mana? It just wants lots of colorless mana. I don't know. No, it doesn't. It I wants think that green this could mana. be a card. I don't see it getting played in any format whatsoever. All right. What about the next one? You know, the next one, uh, we, we both said, wow, in Limited, this is going to be amazing. But I just thought about something else. Bro, you know how much more annoying this is going to make Red Deck wins? Oh, yeah, just let me hold on to some lands. No, or... not even that. Just as soon as I'm out of draw burn spells, go. I get two more. Yeah, that's true. This is a draw two for Lightning Bolt dot deck. I don't know. I, I think the card's good. It's better than it should be, and it worries me a little bit. I would love to see this unlimited. If I get like this, like pick five through eight, I'll be so happy, because this is the kind of card I look for then. I was actually thinking, though, that with this and uh, Faithless Looting, you might be able to make a mana dredge deck that is like more more uh, resilient against sideboard hate, where it goes from like maybe it doesn't win 80% of game ones, maybe it wins like 65 but it wins much more percentage of game two and three because it has mana and, like, card draw. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a playable card, and it'll see play in multiple formats. So, next up, dual casting. Um, one in a red for an enchantment, uh, a rare, and it says enchant creature. Enchanted creature has red tap. Copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Granted, auras are unplayable in classic, I know. But it just looks so good. The Timmy in me just wants to break this open. This really reminds me a lot of um, 
when Splinter Twin was printed. Because everyone said, looks cool, might find a home someday in a combo deck, and I kind of think the same way about this card. The, the thing that really is nice about it is it's two mana to put it on there. And it's really three it's mana. It's only to one use. red mana to activate it. Exactly. So if you have three mana on top of your spell and a creature, that's a lot of conditions, though, George. You need it a is, creature, three more mana than the spell costs, and this card. I mean, you could set it up for later, but it wouldn't be as good if it's not a surprise, I don't think. It's a lot of conditions, and you've got to be putting this on a card that you would rather not be attacking with. Yeah. Um. Um, for instance, a card that I, a uh, deck that I thought might want to play this is like maybe you put one of these in like a, uh, Goblin Welder, uh, uh Slaver deck. Um, you know, sometimes you want to weld something and sometimes you want to fork your thirst for knowledge or your factor fiction. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I see it as a as an okay card. You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad card. I understand why you picked it, but I will say I don't ever see this being played in Classic. Yeah, I hope someone prayers me wrong. I'd like to buy them a dual uh, casting foil. You're making a lot of offers here on these cards, buddy. You're going to be oh. broke if somebody goes in there and gets crazy. Well, so far, what have we said can't win? Uh, arcane Melee and dual casting. Yeah, it, well, I guess that's fair. If you if you if you can do something with those, you you deserve it, right? Yeah, and I think they would cost me like thirty cents. You sir are a friend of the people. <laughs> Next up is um, wow, that's rare, not mythic, huh? Next yeah. up is Reforge the Soul. And this is one of these cards. Like we've seen so many of these lately. Obviously, the best ever. Before I tell you what it'll do, this is the Wheel of Fortune miracle. And uh, what this is, it's called Reforge the Soul. It's three and two red for the primary cost. It's a sorcery and it's a rare, like I said. It is, the, the text is, each player discards his or her hand and draws seven. Miracle cost is one and a red. Um, you know, this is, this is one of those cards that really, other formats might really want this because they don't have access to what we have. But is Wheel of Fortune restricted? Wheel of Fortune is restricted. If it were not, I do believe that four-wheel decks would be popular. Why? I, I never... Wasn't it unrestricted for a while, or was it restricted right when it was released? It was restricted on release. See, I, I, I think that's kind of a, a shame. Because I, I don't think the card will ever have a huge effect if you could only have one in the deck. Yeah, no, I, and that's what I'm saying. If there were ever a four-of, there would have been wheel decks. Well, here it is. I mean, yeah, here, here it is indeed. You can play five now. Nah, the only problem is is that you can't chain these. No, you can't. It has to be the you can't go ritual, 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 wheel, ritual, 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 wheel, ritual, ritual, ritual. Yeah, no. no yeah, I, I, I don't see this having a huge effect. I do think in... Uh, I, I cannot wait to... And my, my mood may change. I can't wait to play this format in Limited because it's going to be so hilarious when you miracle someone and it's going to be so pathetic when you get miracled. Yep. I mean, High variance. You, guys like me, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in a nutshell like this. I hate that I cannot always guarantee, no matter what my skill set is with building a deck, no matter how good my deck is, I can't guarantee that I can be a guy with a bad deck just because he might be able to draw better than me. 
Yep. These cards make it even easier for that to happen. Um, before we go to the next card, I do kind of want to hit on one of the cards that George didn't add in here. I'm going to try to get it in here. Uh, it's it's the miracle that I think might have the most uh, impact outside of temporal manipulation, and maybe the other blue one on on classic. And uh, I think let me let me pull it up in Gatherer so I don't misquote anything. It's, what is it's it? a red red XX, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pulling up right now, and I will go over it real quick. All right, here it is. So the spell, uh, and and the other reason I say that uh, is because this card is XX and a red, and it's one of the cards that the people at Wizards actually wouldn't this they cited yep. this in our answer the other week. Yeah. This card, like, it's so ridiculous, especially in a limited format, but in Classic, if you're expecting things like uh, Noble Zoo, or even the deck that George is talking about, like some of the, the, the Grow decks, or, or um, what is it, Delver decks, which are everywhere, this card is really good targeted removal. It's The card cost is 2x, and so it's XX, like the Creative Justice, or the Angel Spell from earlier in a red, and it's a sorcery. Bonfire of the Dam deals X damage to target creature and each creature he controls. So what this is, in essence, is a super fireball. It's yeah. crazy. It's like, I'm going to bam you to the face, and whatever your face takes, every single one of your creatures is going to take it too. The miracle cost on this is X and red. And I've heard a fireball that does this is unheard of, because this is crazy. They've never had anything close to this in, in, in power level. On a fireball. Agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, it's nuts, and I think this has the po the possibility of seeing play in some of these. Like, if you ever see a red-blue-green tempo deck with Jaces and Brainstorms, this is the kind of card that would put it over the top, I think. You have a couple of these in the sideboard for the creature matchups, and instantly you become way, way higher on the list as far as your probability. I feel like you need to be playing Brainstorm, though. I agree. I, I think this goes hand in hand with the cards that make temporal manipulation better. Um, just against a different sort of deck. You know what this might go really well in is a landstill deck. Yeah, it it could. I I think this is kind of the card that will. I think this might be the most expensive card from this new set eventually. Um. Well, no, there's Tommy of the Moon Sage. Why would you think that would be more expensive than this? Because this... Planeswalkers are flashier and more popular. Geist of St. Trapped is all i got to say. Yeah, but, I mean, he's, bar he's barely more expensive than Huntmaster. the layout than Garrick. What's Huntmaster. that? Snapcaster? Huntmaster. Huntmaster's good. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is, yeah, Planeswalkers are always the most expensive at the beginning, but when you realize you can only play X five mana Planeswalkers, mm, I can see this card being number one. Okay. So, uh, what's the next card on our list here? Next up is the first Miracle Preview, Thunderous Wrath. Four RR for an instant. Deal five damage to target creature or player. Miracle Cost of Red. This is going to be a good card, especially in Limited. Uh, I'm really happy they chose not to make it a sorcery. Yeah. At sorcery uh, speed, this would just be much worse. And as we've said in the past, you know, you're not hard casting this in Legacy or Classic, but 
just the fact that you can deal five damage for one mana makes it playable. Yeah, and you have it's probably cards, good. You have cards that see play at six mana a lot that do something similar to this. I think we talked about it the first time we talked about Bruce Guy, but it's not a bad card, and it actually has a lot of applications. So uh, up next is T Balt the Fiend Blooded, red red, two loyalty planeswalker. Um, plus one, draw a card and discard one at random. Minus four, T-Bolt deals damage to target a player equal to the number of cards in their hand. And minus six, gain control of all creatures. They gain haste, untap them until end of turn. Now, the only reason this card is in the list is because we've never had a two-mana Planeswalker, and it's something that is really hard to evaluate the power of. Yeah. This is like a cover your bet, so in five years, when everybody's playing T-Balt combo, we're not, we don't look like we've got friggin' mud on our faces. You know, the funny thing about the T-Balt combo is it just doesn't seem the worst part about this freaking card is the word random. It just, yeah, it's so hard. Like, I don't know how you are, George, but me, every time I get in a situation... Um, by, by the way, before I, like, poo-poo on this card, I will say one thing. Desperate Ravings is so much better than I initially thought. Like, that card has won me so many games that I would have never won otherwise. Save three land, use it once. Chances are you're going to draw two cards and there's what, like a 20% chance or a 40% chance it draws, it hits one of those and a 60% chance it hits one of your lands. It's a good card. My problem is, maybe it would be different if I played cardboard though. In digital, it seems like the game always pulls the goddamn card I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the word random just bugs me. Like, it just bugs me. When, when someone hems me, it's always the two best cards, without a doubt. I don't know. Um, if it wasn't random and it's like you draw a card and discard a card, it would be amazing. That's probably too good. But, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of combo with this guy. I do think he'll be in a lot of sideboards, and I think the closest he'll come in Classic is one of the decks we were joking about, Angel of Righteousness, tap it to you, or hat tip to you. Um, he was saying he likes hearing on the podcast how the red deck shouldn't win, but... <laughs> this absolutely could go in one of those uh, decks with goblins where they want to hit five lands and never, you know, lay another land. Sideboard this in in a slower matchup or somebody who's going to, like, kill a lot of goblins. And, you know, if you have three mountains and you draw a card, there's a 75% chance it's going to hit something you don't want it to, or you do want it to hit, which would be one of those. Yeah. Ones. I, I don't know, though. I don't see a lot of application in Classic. Besides uh, possibly red deck wins again. You know, if they, go, if they get down to land and they have this guy on the table... It, it is a two-mana draw engine. It's just not a good one, I don't think. No. All right, so we, we kind of hit on that. Um, next up is Vexing Devil. and This is the kind of card that I think we'll see play. I think this will, um, in every format that it's legal in, see play. I think in Classic, sure, we have Mental Misstep, but I think this is one of those cards. It's No matter what, it, before we get to the flavor text, it's a one-mana 4-3. It's Vexing Devil, it costs one red mana, it's Creature Devil, it's a rare, and it's a 4-3. Do I need to say anything else? Now, of course, the flavor text is important, but when I read this to you, just pretend it hits one time and it dies. 
the, the flavor text is, when Vexing Devil enters the battlefield, any opponent may have it deal four damage to him or her. If he does, sacrifice it. So what they're saying with this card is, for one mana, you either get a one mana char with no drawback, or you get a one mana 4-3 creature. And either one of those, I've heard, is pretty optimal in Red's game plan. Red yeah, doesn't need um, a board presence. They want to take your life. And, I mean, it's not... This this card is kind of bad at the end of the game, but at the beginning of the game, it's so hard for your opponent. Like, do they just let a 4-3 hit the board, or do they take 4 damage and risk losing on turn wait, 3? Wait, 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 wait. I disagree with that. I think it's worse at the beginning and better at the end. because chances I, think are, it's, I think it's worse at the end because they'll be like, oh, I'm at 6 life. Gotta let it be a 4-3 and chump block it for the next 2 turns while I set up my Tinker. They're at six life, they're in trouble. Yeah. They're either going to take it, or they're going to have to find a way to chump it. Either way, you put the pressure on them, that's what you want to do. I think this is the kind of card that the drawback is so minimal. There's not a drawback on this card. Will you play Lightning Bolt to the face if you're playing red? Because if you will, this guy's better. Yeah, I mean, he's In just, red deck wins, that is. He's a really good Punisher card. He's way better than Browbeat was. Oh, yeah. See? Like, that's a good example. Browbeat was like... You always Brow got the worst half of the card. And this card, my point is, there's no worst half. Yeah, but I mean, Browbeat was pretty close to being no bad half either. Mm, okay. I don't know. I, I always thought Browbeat was like... I never got the best half of it. I, I stopped playing with it after I decided I didn't like it. Alright, well... That's it for the red section. Well, there was a lot there. So, counting Bonfire of the Dam, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. That's a lot. That's a very red-heavy emphasis. There was only six black cards, one white card, uh, two blue cards, three blue cards. We had four blue cards, and then there's two more colored cards and two others. So, we're going to look here at a card that kind of like piqued my interest. I never even saw this card until Georgie put this in the article, and i got to admit, this card has me salivating. I cannot wait to play this format in Limited. It looks really fun. Um, the card's called Abundant Growth. It's one green mana. It's uh, Enchantment Aura, obviously Enchant Land. It's a common card, and... In limited strategies, it's so good because it gives you a card and it replaces itself. The text is this. When Abundant Growth enters the battlefield, draw a card. Bam, can't Chant land first. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, that's the thing about this card. It immediately replaces itself no matter what it does next. But what it does next is very valuable. The next thing it does is Enchanted Land has tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So you're also not pigeonholed like some of these other uh, auras are, which is like pick a color, like Utopia Scroll. This card, like George said, could find an immediate home in Enchantress. This is immediately better than almost anything else. It's, it, it is the, the best ramp spell ever. There's no restriction on what kind of land you can put it on. It replaces itself immediately. It's one mana, and it produces an extra any color mana. And I feel really bad for you if you're one of those guys who just spent a lot of money on a foiled wild growth because it just found its replacement. Yeah, wild growth. I mean, unless you play 12 of these spells in your Enchantress deck. 
Actually, I'll take that back. This replaces Utopia Sprawl. Wild Growth still has a home. Um, the other the other thing about this is that this could be a, a possible uh, card against um, Workshop decks. Mm, really? It's maybe. You want them to I mean, two you for can't, one? You? you can't put it on a dual land because they'll just wasteland that. True. But if they're not, if they're only running wastelands and strip mines, you put it on like a basic island or forest. Then what are they going to do? Get their one strip mine, I guess. Yeah, this is yeah, good card, good card, good card. Totally going to see play. Maybe not in classic, but still an excellent card. Yeah, it, I, 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 if I see it in classic, I'll be really surprised. Um, this next one, I do have her think. Could see play in classic, um, in particular creature sideboards. So it's Triumph of Ferocity, two and a green for an enchantment, uncommon. At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if you control the creature with the greatest power or tied for the greatest power. So, if you're playing green, chances are you're playing a creature deck, or you're playing blue that has access to green for Oath of Druids, or Nature's Claim. But at any rate, you're, this is basically a free draw card if you get it down. And then, like, against the creature decks, drawing cards is what wins the games, not the creatures themselves. Um, so here's the first time today where I'm going to really disagree with you, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know what? Give me one second. got to pause. Somebody's at my door. So hold on one moment. All right, sorry about that. Um... So yeah, my point in regards to why I disagree with this being a good or valid card is pretty simple. Number one, this costs three mana, and it doesn't do anything until the next turn. And the next turn, all it does is replace itself. So it takes two turns to be good. I don't see this as even a valid possibility in Classic, because the average turn to win is, what, three and a half, four turns at most? Yeah. I don't see this card ever being played, even as a joke. Well, I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Maybe somebody else who's playing like a four-color fish deck will think it's awesome, too. Now, the next card, I never even saw this before, and that is ridiculously good. Doesn't, oh, doesn't it just make you, doesn't it make your magic deck hard? It does. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what immediately I want to use this with, and... Oh, with the druids at the end of their turn? Oath of Druids and a turn, freaking just good spells. This turns Ponder into Brainstorm number two. Um, just good things. And, I mean, granted it's a non-basic land that produces colorless mana, but there are other non-basic lands that produce colorless mana that are as good, better, or worse than this that see play. Agree, yeah. Like, I mean, Library of Alexandria is awesome if you have seven cards in your hand. This card is awesome if you have, like, seven mana on the table. Yeah. This, this card's really good. It makes it puts the other person on notice, and it's one of those cards they're going to want to kill. I don't really want to speculate too much on this card, because I immediately want to, like, do something with this before I talk about it. Yeah, I, I can't wait to try this card out. Next is Cavern of Souls. Um, it's a rare land. When it comes into play, you choose a creature type. <coughs> you can tap to add a colorless of any color... Or a color of your... No, you can tap to add a colorless mana for any spell. 
or the color of your choice for the creature that you named, and it can't be counterspelled. Yeah. Seems good. Um, classic? No. Well, you can't fetch landed out, but you can pick humans in your four-color deck and play all of your creatures without problems. Or you could play Merfolk, but again, no. Yeah. Are you really worried about people countering your creatures? Maybe. I mean, sometimes that's how you lose, right? If you play a creature deck, which I don't usually do. <laughs> well, unfortunately for you and me, who don't like creature decks, they're making up about 60% of the metagame, so deal with it. No, it's fine. I'm just saying it doesn't make them that much better. I don't think it makes them that much better. I just think it's a really good utility card that they now have access to. I mean, the nice thing about it is it also does add one colorless if you don't want to play that spell. So, But I'll say also I think that's the best part about the card is that you can use it if you're not playing that spell. Yeah. No, if, if you couldn't tap it for colorless, it'd be unplayable. Agree. Otherwise, um, Ancient Ziggurat might actually be playable in the format. Too true. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like our, our um, I don't want to say abbreviated, because we've already been casting for about an hour and 15 minutes now, but that's our, uh, that's our review of Avacyn Restored, and uh, before we wanted to go out for this week, Georgie wanted to run over the, uh, the Ham on Rye event and what he ran in it. I actually had to miss it because my mother's in town, so uh, George, what, what's going on? Uh, well, before we, you know, wrap up with uh, Avacyn Restored... If anyone thinks that there's something we missed, let us know in the comments, you know. Agree. So, at any rate, the Blippi the Slug ran the Ham on Rye on Friday. Uh, afternoon was the European event, and then Friday evening was the uh, U.S. event. Um, the Euro event, which unfortunately I thought would be in the wee hours of the morning and was actually at a perfect time for me to play in, was won by, drumroll please, Naoto, of course, playing Delvergush. Um, and then in the U.S. event, uh, I did play in it, and I wanted to play something that didn't care what the other guy was playing. Um, last year, Scorpio played a... Bargain Spike deck using Show and Tell, uh, and I just thought it was pretty nifty. Um, I built it up. I tweaked it ever so slightly, uh, mostly just the main, uh, the sideboard is what I changed, and I managed to go four and one in the 118 player US event. Nice. Um, unfortunately, and this is really, I mean, it was fun. I I only played against one deck that just I felt like was not competitive at all. But, unfortunately, the only downside to this was that even though there were 118 players, it was five rounds of Swiss cut the top eight. Yeah. That is brutal. Happens. That is that is 5-0 if you want to guarantee going top eight. Yeah. Um, so, I won round one against a blue aggro deck with counter spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won round two against a <laughs> a white weenie tribal soldier deck. Oh, you dirty man. 
I won round three against Enderfall with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Nice. I lost round four to a Workshop Prison deck. Ouch. Um, and I, I felt I felt slighted. And then round five was a really weird round against um, Chantry Gilbert with Blue Red Standstill. Huh. Uh, our game three was the weirdest game three. He never played an island, and I never had more than one land in play for uh, more than one turn at a time. Wow. For most of the game, which lasted like ten or so turns, I didn't have any mana sources at all on the table. Huh. Um, managed, managed to finally get up three mana to play Tinker for my Blightsteel Colossus at the last possible second to go 4-1. Nice. Um, the deck was really fun, and I won with just about every single conceivable way you think you could win with this build. Nice, bro. Um, it was really fun, and, I mean, I just said what I played against, and the Workshops deck, it wasn't a blowout, it went to game three, and that's the way it crumbled, but, I mean, maybe this is something that would be good for daily events, or the next league. Yeah, agree. And plus, it's so fun to hardcast Yawgmoth's Bargain on turn one. <laughs> what is that, like triple triple Dark Ritual? Or double Dark uh, Ritual? It was... Well, I, I had I had a little bit extra. I had land, Lotus Petal, triple Dark Ritual, um, Yawgmoth's Bargain. Go. <laughs> no, I didn't say go. I drew into Soul Spikes and then uh, drew into more Rituals and Tendrils. Nice. It, I mean, the deck obviously is not as good as Necro Spike was, but man, was it fun! It reminded me of it so good. No doubt. Um, and the winner was uh, Shaddai playing with Flash. Yeah, and that's 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 cool. That's one of the things we talked about on our last cast here. So that's definitely one of the decks that I think could make a splash and a really open metagame. Um, I think he won because he was playing with the foil flash that he bought off of me. <laughs> nice. So, uh, I think that's it for this week, guys. Rock on. Well, as always, we want to thank our hosts, PureMTGO.com, and our sponsors, MTGOTraders.com, and uh, my good buddy, George, and we'll see you guys again next week. Yeah, have a good uh, time, guys. All right, see you, everybody. <laughs>